Hello again, everybody. This is Gary Thorne, and welcome to the Sports Rivals. We are delighted to have you back with us. As uh, you may know or not, our purpose here is preserving memories of some classic sports rivalries through the words of those who participated in them. And this is the story of some of these rivalries from the inside out. We've talked, of course, with the players and coaches, uh, managers, and different sports. We've also talked to those in the newspaper business and what's gone on as far as the rivalries go there. Now we're going to turn a bit to another aspect of the uh, of the media where the rivalry seemingly at least would have seriously increased over the last at least the last decade and maybe even a shorter period than that. For those who cover sports over the last few years, the number of platforms that are being served and the number of outlets who are trying to get interviews and stories has dramatically increased, obviously creating a competition in trying to get the story, trying to get the person that you want for some kind of an on, uh, maybe on air or even just for a written story to do a report on. We're going to talk with a couple of women who are deeply involved in that kind of work. Janae Coakley uh, joining us is with Sportsnet New York, SNY. She's been there since 2009. She is a beat reporter, particularly covering the New York Jets. She uh, is a graduate of Quinnipiac University. She, uh, I'm going to get into at least one question with her somewhere along the way. She has apparently run a marathon in every state she's lived in. I tried to count up the number of states, and I think I'm up to five, but it may be more than that. But we'll let Janae talk about that a little later. Uh, Ashley Adamson is with the Pac-12 Network. She is a reporter and host since 2012. She covers Pac-12 football, basketball, does feature stories, particularly involved with the women's sports, women's basketball in particular. She graduated from Boston College and then got her master's in broadcast journalism from Boston University. So, uh, Janae and Ashley, thank you very much for joining us. It's great to have you with us. Let me just kick this off with a conversation between the uh, two of you about what it's like in this day and age being a reporter covering these events, what's the level of competition when you're going out there trying to get a story? Janae, let's start with you. Well, thank you so much for having me on, and I'm so excited to chat with you, Ashley. I feel like it's been forever, so I'm so excited to catch up with you. I think, I mean, I've been in this business a long time, almost 20 years, which is crazy to even think of it that way, and now it's changed so much, and I want to say social media has made it so, it's been great, but it's also made it so much harder, and Everybody breaks a story now on Twitter and they don't really have like when I was in journalism school, like you were to know like good sources and you were supposed to double check and make sure everything was right. Now it's like, oh, if you hear something, just tweet it out. And everybody in their mind is a journalist. Anybody who has a Twitter handle, anybody who covers sports or thinks they cover sports can now break a story or they think they're a journalist. So that's been really hard because when I like I said, when I start out in the business, Sports was more about telling the story. It wasn't about you. It wasn't, we didn't have social media. So it was, you know, calling your sources, writing a good story, being on television, cutting it down. You know, I remember arguing with one of my producers, like, I got, I need two minutes to tell this story. Like you have 45 seconds. Now it's like you have 60 characters to tell the story. So I think that's really been the hardest part for me. And especially trying to keep up in that business. What would you say, Ashley? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I, you know, you said something that um, really spoke to me when, when you talk about, I, I used to tell and still do um, young aspiring broadcasters all the time. Like, just remember, it's not about you. It, it, it's not about you and it shouldn't be about you. And if you're doing your job well, 
people aren't going to be paying attention to you. They're going to be paying attention to the great answer that you elicited or the great moment that you captured. And the problem now is like, eh, it kind of is about you and way more than I think it should be. And you look at um, some of the people who have been able to skyrocket in this business and they've done it. And I, I'm not judging it. I think it's just a fact of the reality that we're in. Um, they've done it by being able to have a huge social media presence and making it very much about them and their brand. And so I think there's just two very different schools of thought in terms of kind of the old school journalism and what the goal there was. And then sort of this new world in which there's so many platforms and so many different opportunities for people to get their voice out, which is wonderful and great. And, you know, I wish I could have my own YouTube channel and start a podcast <laughs> and all that stuff that, you know, all these college kids are getting to do. But at the same time, it does sort of muddle the line about what's important and what's, um, you know, what it's all about. And so I, I still do every now and then say, you know, you just got to remember it's not about you. But but also there's a caveat there that in this day and age, um, you know, the personality and your brand and who you are is a big piece of it. And it, I, I'm going to be totally honest with, Jan with you, Janine. Like, I, I hate that part of it. I, I just I wish oh. that that wasn't the case. I struggle so much with it, Ashley, because it's like, like you said, it's all about getting clicks. What gets clicks? What it's like, no, I want to tell a good story. Like, I don't care how many likes I get on Instagram. I want someone to mm -hmm. hear their story. Especially now that we're mothers, like I've changed so much having children, especially having a daughter, because I'm like, there are certain things of like, uh-uh, no, 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 you're going to tell a good story. Like, if you want to get into this business or like, I want you to be defined by your mind and your stories you tell or who you are, not by what you look like or how many clicks you get, or I don't want you to be defined by an Instagram account or followers and Twitters. And it's like, it's, I struggle a lot with it because it's like, but it's part of our business now. So I kind of yeah. have, you can't, you can't not do it. You have to do it, but I'm trying to find my own footing in it because so far it's worked for me what I'm doing in this business. Yeah. And I think, uh, I feel the same way. I think the thing that I'm lucky about that's different, uh, you know, kind of a nuance of the difference in our jobs is that working at the Pac-12 network, we are not in the news breaking business. Like we are not here. To, we're never going to break a story that the school, you know, that the schools and the universities aren't okay with us sharing. They will mm -hmm. often give us that information first, but we, uh, you know, it, it's very different than I think back to my days, you know, in India at Wish TV, that it was all about getting scoop. And that was one of the biggest priorities. And now it, it's shifted a little bit. So I actually think I feel very lucky in working at Pac-12 as much as there are, you know, I think both sides of being owned by a conference, like there are things that are, there are benefits. And that is certainly one of them is that you're not constantly trying to be in the rat race to break a story and be the first to Twitter with, with something. Um, but yeah, it's just, you, you mentioned becoming a mom and I, I don't know if we want to get into it now or later, but I feel like the, the difference in, who I am and how I view this business has changed so dramatically after I got married and had two kids. Um, oh, it's so true. It's just so every, true. right. I mean, like, I feel like <laughs> yes, I just look at everything. everything. And I was, I was so worried. It's funny. I think back and I was so worried about, uh, you know, becoming a mom and like, Oh man, I'm just going to be like that old mom now. Like who's going to want to like go out and hang out. And, yeah. and then you realize that like, actually you can connect with, the coaches in a totally different way because so many of them have kids. So you understand parenthood in a different way. And then you also are able to, you know, I look at these student athletes in particular that I cover and I'm like, man, your stories are so much more inspiring knowing what it's like to be a parent and trying to get a kid 
you know, to, to raise someone and not be too overbearing, but give them enough support, but also be able to pull back and not be. And it's like, I just have so much more, I don't know, like gratitude. And I'm in awe of so many parents that I see. And I feel like it really has helped me do my job better because I also realized like, Hey, you better get that name right because this might be the only time that kid hears their name on TV. So you better pronounce it right. Like there's a mom and dad and a grandma watching somewhere. So there's just all these different things that I feel like. And then you talk about with your daughter and shout out because you named your daughter Cora. And then of course I had to go and name my daughter Cora because she was born two years later and I wanted to be exactly like you. But both of our Coras, like I I think about her growing up and just all the things that I want to teach her and protect her from, but also know that she has to do basically what we did, which is just experience it and feel it and, and understand it in her own time and in her own words. And that's a scary, scary feeling as a parent. So true. But I think we need to like tell people exactly our story because so yeah. I worked in Indianapolis for, I don't even remember the years because it's so long ago. I worked for four years with Anthony Calhoun and Chris Woodlick and Brad Bull and all those guys. And I remember I got the job in New York at SNY and I was so excited. And they brought this girl. I'm like, we think we, you know, we found the girl. We're going to recover. We've typed you with Ashley Adamson. She's going to come. We went driving. I don't even know where we drove to. I was like, I feel like it was in front of the Indiana State Capitol building. And we yeah. to ask a question. And it was awesome. It was so much fun. And I'm like, just be yourself. You're going to love it here. Like the people are great. I loved my time in Indianapolis. Like it was amazing. And I replaced Nicole Manscape who's now Nicole Briscoe, and she went to ESPN, and everybody liked Nicole, so I was like, oh my gosh, I have to replace this girl, and then before Nicole, it was Sage Steele, so it was just like all these people, so like, and then here you come, and I just remember just having this connection with you, I'm like, I love this girl, she's gonna be awesome, so long story short, you get the job, I moved to SNY, what, three months later, you're covering Butler in the tournament, and then- I'm covering Syracuse, which is a team you used yeah. to cover, so we meet there and everybody's like, oh, you're Ashley. Oh, we love, like, everybody's like, at Syracuse, Ashley Adamson, we love her, we love her. And then you and Butler. So then fast forward, what, five years later, you were at Pac-12, you marry your husband, whose last name is Coakley. Yeah. <laughs> so you become Ashley Coakley. I'm Janae Coakley. And then I have a son and I name him Coakley, my maiden name, because I'm married and my name is Janae Burrell. So I have Janae, I have a Coakley Burrell. And then my daughter, two years I have a Cora Burrell, and then you have a Cora Coakley. So your daughter is technically my two children. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really want, I feel like we want to, yeah, I think we want to be yeah. each other, like, together. <laughs> uh, well, I just am flattered that you say that, because I have to tell you, my, my point of view, like, you know, we're on this podcast that is about rivalries, and we were, we're I guess, technically, like, quote-unquote rivals in theory, and I, I had to replace you. I, I'll never forget that first year of my life in Indy, all anyone did was was compare me to you, and you are so good at building relationships. You had done that, obviously, not only with the athletes and coaches that you covered, but with the fans, too. I remember I got an email one day from some woman in, like, Muncie, Indiana, and it was just a few <laughs> words. It said, hi, where is Janae? no offense, but I missed her. And I'm like, oh, oh I just went back and I'm like, you know what? I, I miss her too. And you, you talk about that first time that we met and I it was when I came out for the interview and I like, I just was in awe of you. You had this incredible confidence. You were so comfortable in your own skin. It was clear that you obviously had, had all these amazing relationships. And 
I just, I remember feeling in that moment, like almost like this little girl who was looking at someone that I wanted to be. And I mean, this is such a ridiculous, this is such a ridiculous detail, but it just shows you like how in awe of you I was. You were packing up your desk and I think we were leaving together because I, maybe I was giving you a ride home or you were giving me a ride to my hotel. I can't remember. We were packing up to go home and you like packed up your lunchbox and I'm like, oh man, she packed her lunch. Like this chick has her shit together. Like I can't believe. So even or, the fact that or you she had, was like, just really, she, the fact that she was really cheap and didn't want to buy dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, in that moment, I was like, man, so I just, I will never, I, I want to say it because I don't know if I've ever said it to you directly, but I will never take for granted the kindness that you showed me. You did not need to go out of your way or like on your way out the door to be kind to me, but you did. And it was something that really, impact me. And I think about that a lot as I try to go out and, and, you know, the women who are coming up behind us, that that's the goal. If we can make this career path better and more accessible to the, you know, incredible women who are coming up next, then no matter what else we've accomplished, we've done our job. And I, you know, I just think that that takes on a lot of different forms and, and helping and being kind is, is first and foremost. So if I've never said it to you, like, thank you. And also filling your shoes in Indy, was hellacious for the first year because everyone just talked about how much they missed you and would talk about stories. And I got it because you were like a fabric of that community and of that station and you did such good work. So it is, uh, it is awesome that we've been able to kind of connect paths. And then I think I also was, we did something, did you come out for training or for, I guess maybe it was camp. Um, I'm trying to remember when you were, when you were with, the Jets, you were out in India at some point, but we've like crossed paths a bunch of different times. And yes, I was out yes. in New York one time when, when the Colts were out there playing in the playoffs. So it's just, I don't know. It's been awesome to see your, your career, you know, continue to take off on all the stuff that you've done and then becoming a mom and that whole, you know, next phase that we kind of did it also at the same time. It's been really cool. Let me, let me, I, can I just, uh, can I ask, because there was a point brought up that I, I really would like to follow up on. You talked about if we can make the path easier for the women who are coming into this field now, what to each of you, what does that mean? How do you make the path easier? Well, I mean, for me, like, I always feel like, I don't know why people, I hate when people put women up against each other. I just don't understand why they do that because we're in this together. Like the, like the more successful women are like a Sage Steel or Robin Roberts, that only makes the path easier for us. Like for the ones down there, like I, to me, like, Ashley, that's seriously so kind of you to say that. I just think you're awesome and you're so talented and you can offer so much. And let me tell you now, real quick, when I go back to Indy, everybody asks me, how's Ashley doing? What's Ashley doing? (laughs) I was long forgotten about after that. But to me, I just, I want people, like, I've always, someone once told me that the people who are the best at their jobs aren't afraid to help other people out. And that's always stuck with me. The people that have helped me and been great with me in my career, they're one of the best in the business. So you don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to, why not help people out? Why not? If someone calls me, hey, Jeanette, I need help with someone with the jet. Sure, let me help you. Know, especially women, because we have to stick together. We already are at you know, a loss when you walk into the locker room. Like Even nowadays, like you see so many more women, but at the same time, like, well, you never played, you never played football. What do you know? What are you talking about? And for so long, I was so intimidated sometimes. Like, until I was able to learn my own skills. Like I don't have to be like a man in there. I can just be myself. Like I can ask the different questions. And, you know, I got coach Bowles to sing because I, these are the questions I like to ask, you know, I don't have to be the, you know, 
nose to the grind, like ask those tough questions, throw the hard balls. I'm going to ask questions that I want to know. And yeah, I'm not going to be throw the softball questions every now and then, but I'm also not trying to get guys to bite. And I had to just, and there's nothing wrong with it. Like I, I'm not saying it's wrong, but that's just not my style of reporting. That's not who I am as a journalist. And that's okay. Like I got to be comfortable in my own skin and I want other women to be like that. Like you don't have to be like me. But anything I can do to help you become you and the best version of you, then let me help you because that only makes it better for the women down the path or like for our daughters or and anything in life. Like you got to help other people out. You couldn't have said it better, Janae. And I, I just think that so much of what I feel like I can do uh, in my role is to help young women. There were so many people who helped me. And even if it was one off, like a, a coffee conversation or a phone call, there were so many different women in particular who I remember who took time out of what they were doing to lend some advice, to offer some encouragement, to tell me, hey, keep your head up, try this, don't forget about that. And it was what got me to, through those early years. When you are full of self-doubt. I don't think there's anyone who comes into this business who doesn't have some sort of, you know, at least I, I will speak for myself. I had a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like there are people out there who know more oh, me too. 100%. than I will ever know. And 100%. you talk about your voice and what you bring. And and that's the, the biggest thing. So I, to me, there's, there's one other thing that I would say on that, Gary, and that's it's never been easier to be a woman in sports broadcasting right now. And that is a testament to all the incredible women who came before Janae and I, it doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that we've gotten to the place where there's equity between men and women in the workplace, but you look back and are we in a better place than we were? And are we more supported than we've ever been? Yes. Is there still work to do? Yes. But the hardest part for me were those first eight years or so of my career. And I'd, I'd love to, I'm going to say this Janae, and then would love to get your thoughts. If you had the same experiences, I was, I wish that they had taught in journalism school a full class on how a young female reporter can manage or navigate building relationships and sources with men, because it is a it is like a professional hazard for young women, not just in sports, I think in, in all reporting, but the rituals mm -hmm. of cultivating sources and building relationships, you know, you initiate contact, you invite them for coffee, you show interest in what they're saying, those those rituals mimic the rituals of courtship. And I just feel like it it leads people to blur the lines between the professional and the personal. So often I felt like I was walking this delicate line of trying to build relationships with all the men that I needed to, that I saw around me to be able to do my job, but have them not think that I was interested in them. And I just, I struggled so much with that of like, how can I be kind and nice and interested and be your friend and have a professional relationship with you if you are interpreting this differently? And not everyone did, but there were certainly, I think, some men out there who did. And then a weird thing happened when I got engaged. I just completely stopped feeling that way. I didn't have to worry about them misinterpreting me because, okay, well, I'm married. My intentions are pretty clear. So the answer here is not like go get married. But the answer is, I think, <laughs> I, I wish I hadn't waited until there was a ring on my finger to feel the confidence that I do now. Like, don't give those people the power. Don't let a few bad apples shade how you operate. Be professional, have your boundaries, pay attention you know, to when they're crossed and, and you'll know what to do. But the anxiety, I think about the anxiety that I carried with me early in my career that men do not have to think twice about. I wish I could have identified that and just let it go. Completely agree. And another thing is like, it's easy for a male reporter to go up to an athlete like, hey, can I get your number so we can like chat? Yeah. If, if a female reporter goes up, then it's a whole different stigma. And you're like, what's the difference? Like, I'm doing my job, you're doing your job. And you're so right, those first 
now, I mean, these children, these kids, and I say kids because they technically could be my kid. Um, <laughs> Sam Dar- like Sam Darnold could be my son, like Josh yeah. McCown. He graduated some year and Josh McCown's daughter is the same age as Sam. So it's like, oh my gosh, like Sam truly. So nowadays I'm like, uh, can I, you know, I got to do a story with you. Can I get this? Like it doesn't, but I had to get that comfort and like that confidence and be like, it's okay, Jane, this is your job. You have to do it. And like you said, there's mm-hmm. such a fine line. I was always nervous that people would think differently of me. Like if I went up to like a player, like, Hey, can I grab your number? And just because I want to do a story with them. But yeah. I learned through what I learned was, I went through their wives. I went through their mothers. I went through, like, I don't, it's like, I want to do a story with you. Can I talk to your mom? You know what I'm saying? Like Bob Sanders. I remember, you know, I want to do a story with Bob Sanders. So I talked to his mother and got this great story with his family. And that's what made, I learned my path. But like I said, if I could tell my younger self, like, Janae, be professional, go up and do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter. You're doing what the men are doing in your position. And don't apologize for it. It doesn't. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, very interesting. Uh, I'm wondering when we were talking about the platforms and the, uh, the competition that goes on trying to get stories um, day in, day out, uh, what kind of, and pressure may be an inappropriate word, but what do you hear from those that you answer to? in this day and age as to the stories you're getting or not getting and what they want you to do. What do you hear from upstairs? Um, for me, to be honest with you, SNY is great with me. Like, like same thing with you, Ashley, like I have cultivated a wonderful relationship with the jets. They're awesome. And they understand my strength. My strength is to get people to open up, get them off the field. So they're always like, you know what, Janae, let the insiders break the stories. You just tell your stories and do what you need to do. And I've been blessed to be able to, for 10 years, to be able to gain that confidence, just be able to tell their stories. I have this um, segment called Jetting to Know You, where we get to get to know these players. So they recognize my strengths and they let me just fly with it. And I was able to become that better person. So I work, my boss, Pergata Jr., fantastic, awesome boss. I mean, Brad Como, my news director, like they're really good with that. And I struggled at first because I would Instagram and Twitter because I'm like, guys, I don't want to break. I don't want to do this. I don't want to say this. I'm like, Jay, just do you, be you and be good at it. And hey, it's worked for me. And like I said, they support me 100%. So it's been wonderful. Well, and that's a testament, I think, Janae, first of all, it's it's so awesome to hear that. And I would just say that's a testament going back to what we were talking earlier about finding that confidence and comfortability in your own skin. Because if you hadn't had that and you hadn't been able to say like, no, this is this is what I am good at. These are my strengths. This is what I can bring. They wouldn't have been able to say, okay, go do you. If you had been trying to be like, you know, the insider mm-hmm. that was trying to break every single thing, like that I want no part of what Adam Schefter does in his world. I'm so glad that Adam Schefter exists and that people like him exist. It's great for, you know, spinning these stories forward and for getting information. But in terms of I'm with you, like, I think the thing that, that I bring that I've been able to really lean into at PAC 12 is the relationship side of it and getting, telling people stories. Like ultimately that's how I view myself as a storyteller, whether it's as you know, I'm working as a studio host on the desk, or if I'm working as a sideline reporter or on a feature story, or I've also gotten to do a little bit more producing um, feature-wise, which I've really, really loved and think that eventually that may be like the next iteration of of my career. I hope that it is. And the thing that I love about it is just the the relationships that you get to create and the stories that you get to tell and the people that you get to meet. Like I think back on all of the people that I, if my career ended tomorrow, 
of all the people that I got to interact with and learn from and talk to from when I first started, when I was in Albany, New York in 2007, like I, I feel so much gratitude for all, all of it. And, and I think to me, that's been the most meaningful part of it. And so to answer your question, Gary, I, I, I'm with Janae. I, I don't feel a lot of pressure to, in terms of, again, we're not, we're not breaking stories. We're not, you know, we're never going to be first with something at PAC 12. Uh, but I do think that the, the, the message that I hear from them and that I wholeheartedly agree with is that this is about relationships and serving our schools. We're unique and that we're owned by the conference and the universities. And so first and foremost, how can we serve our schools? And it's, we hear it all the time and it's not just lip service. It is real. I, the relationships that I've been able to create with the athletic directors, with the coaches and with the student athletes, um, has been a huge, huge gift. It it is. And I mean, and that's just it. And it's all about being confident and being who you are and finding yourself. And it took me a long time to get to that point. Like I said, I've been doing this for 20 years. It took me a good, like you said, that first eight years to be like, wait a second. What? And you talk about those friendships and everything. I worked my first job was in Billings, Montana. I'm still best friends with the sports reporter there, Dion Miller, who's in Chicago now. And Sarah Kustak's one of my best friends. And she's with the Nets and Meredith Morakovic and Michelle Yu and you and like, we have such a strong, I have such a strong knit of women in this business who we all go through the same things and we're all going through the same things. And I wouldn't be who I am without the support and the confidence of you girls supporting what we do. And also just that understanding, you know, just to, to be able to call somebody up and I, I I'm, I'm with you. My, some of my best girlfriends in the world are, are from those very early jobs, Albany mm-hmm. and, and Syracuse, like I still, and they're all, you know, they've all found different ways. A lot of them work in news. Um, one of them's now with, with the FBI actually, but we all are able to relate to each other and tell those stories. And there is a camaraderie that is really, really special. And I tell there's young women I talk to all the time and men, men too, who say, like, do I have to do local news? Like, is that the route that I have to take? And I'm always like, you don't have to, like, we're in a very different world than we were 15 years ago. Like you definitely don't have to do local news, but I will tell you that if you have done local news, like anyone who's worked in local news, you are a kindred spirit. Like there is just something about understanding what it is like to work in local news and being part of that team. And then also having the camaraderie with the other um, people at the markets in your state, like at the other stations in your market. I mean, you know, you think about all the awesome people in India that we got to work with and it's just, it's it's really lucky. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it's, um, it's a, it's a cool network. And I, I, that's what I tell people all the time. Like don't take for granted those relationships that you start early on in your career with people who are coming up with you. Afraid to start from the bottom and work your way up. I mean, you learn so much, and I have so much gratitude towards my producers and my photographers and everything because I was that person. I and you can make so you make your mistakes there, you know. Yeah, it's, it's I oh, love it. I was, I mean, you have to go like you have to take yes. I was, I tell people all the time, like, I was so that no one is good when they start. Like, Bob Costas, I guarantee you, the first time he was on the air, like, he wasn't incredible. Oprah, like, no one Oprah is good fired. when you start. Yeah. Oprah got fired. That's all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but it cracks me up when people are like, I want to be you, Janae, like in a couple of years. I'm like, uh, you have no, like, it took yeah. me a long time to get right. It's a journey. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be me if I started in 20, when I was 21. I mean, to each their own. Some people are great. I'm just saying, I'm like, but I wouldn't give it back for a heartbeat. Yeah. That's good. All right. Before I forget, now, I, I've got to make sure I go back to this. 
you know, you're gonna tell me about the marathon thing. <laughs> I know, uh, crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, how many? Uh, well, no, crazy. I mean, that's it's great. How many of you run, and uh, how many? How many states? So okay, so I've run two full marathons, which is twenty six point two miles. I've run one in Billings, Montana, and I've run one in New York. So my first job is in Billings, Montana. I have run 14 half marathons. <laughs> um, my husband, who used to play back in the day, considers my half marathons not like real things. But 13.1 miles, I consider like still hey, how many How like, many half marathons has Scott run? That's the question. That's what I say all the time. So he's like, you need to clarify that it's a half marathon, not a full marathon. So I have uh, run, thank you. I have run in Arizona. I run a half marathon in Arizona, Indianapolis, New York, Virginia, um, Washington, D.C., California, and I've run multiple in other, in like a lot in New York, Connecticut. And then I just ran a half marathon in Easter Island, which is the small <laughs> island off the coast of Chile for my 40th birthday. <laughs> wow. You're, I mean, like you talk about Gary, the legend of Janae Coakley, like that is part of it too. <laughs> like she's this incredible runner, like just a total badass. No. You, no you one said I won the world. Like, have you, how many places have you been? Like how many have you, what, I would love to see your passport. Like how many countries have you been to? Three children. Um, I have been to, I just had to renew my passport. So my last passport, I had 75 stamps. I don't know. Oh I mean, I multiplied, I doubled up, but I just, that's why I always tell people to travel the world, see things like, I was single for so long and I just love traveling. I love just going places. Now with children, I lucky I make it to work every day on time, but <laughs> that's my big, my big travel day. But. You should get, by the way, you should get a passport stamp for commuting to New Jersey. You should. That's just as impressive. I, by the way, I can't miss this opportunity today because we have, we haven't actually talked and I, I'm assuming you're okay with it. Cause I know you had fun with it on Twitter, but you bring up Scott Burrell, your husband, uh, who's the coach of, um, was it Southern, Southern Connecticut, Southern Connecticut. Yep. yep. Uh, played with Jordan on the bulls, which obviously everyone's talking about right now with the last dance documentary. What, like that clip that I saw and oh I gosh, watched the episode funny. last night, it is so funny, <laughs> but everyone's like giving him a hard time. I actually thought it was really sweet. Cause he's like worried about his mom and dad seeing it. Like there was something that was so kind of sweet about it to me. I don't know. I just, well, so did you guys watch that together? Oh my God, we did. Well, it's funny because I've seen his clips before. Like we've seen them like, and people are like hitting me up on Twitter. Like I want to see his wife. Like is Jake Coakley okay? And I want to be like, hey, first of all, it happened 22 years ago. We've been here yeah. for five years. So do the math. Like, <laughs> and second, like he was in his, like it's Michael Jordan. He's teasing him. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. who cares? You're, you're part of this team. That's amazing. I hope you lived a rock star life, but to sorely disappoint everybody, God actually didn't go out a lot. <laughs> Michael was teasing him. I mean, I was like, you should live this up. Like, you're this. He's like, Janae, I maybe went out with Rodman one time and I couldn't hang, so I left. Like, I was just too worried about learning the plays. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. So, unfortunately, oh, I, I think he should ride the rock star um, train only. Lean into it, especially if, right? especially if you're on board. Like, hell yeah. And that just makes I just think it's hilarious. I'm sure there are plenty of wives out there. 
that would not feel the same way. But I thought it, I let the clip made me laugh because I saw the reaction on Twitter before I actually saw the episode. And I'm like, wait, that was, I'm with you. Like Jordan was totally teasing him. It was so innocent. And then he's like, dude, please stop. Like my mom and dad are going to see this. Like it was so like, I probably doing like a fifth grade boy being like, dude, stop teasing me. I mean, Ashley, if people only knew you and I going out karaoke and singing. Like, See, on, exactly. Like, if there were documentaries about <laughs> Yeah, that's the other thing, Gary, that you need to know about, you know, is that she is like the karaoke queen. So. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Oh, no, no, that's Ashley. I'm living in her it's, shadows when it they, comes they to They should karaoke. do a documentary. <laughs> they should do a documentary on that. And uh, I, I will say I do own a karaoke machine. It was the best wedding present that I received. My sister-in-law gave us a homemade karaoke machine. Home, yeah, like for your house. And that thing has gotten more use than I would like to admit. But I'm just, I'm feeling like there's no, some No, oh, you admit of, it. You admit yeah, that. That's awesome. You own it. That is you awesome. <laughs> but yeah, Janae came out to visit one time and we uh, we hit up the karaoke bar and it was, yeah, if, if, only Scott knew, if only Scott knew about that. Exactly, oh, really. MJ, MJ can tease you, but I can. Yeah. Definitely got a video. We definitely got a YouTube <laughs> video coming up here. I can see that. Hey, before I let you go, there's a question I want to ask because it's one I asked myself and I'm intrigued by after all this time in this business. What do fans want in this day and age in sports from sports reporters, broadcasters? What do you think they want? Well, I mean, for me, I just think authenticity. They want to see the real athlete. They want to see who they are, what what they what they mean. I mean, sure, you can score a basket, but what do they do? I, I don't know. This is my opinion. As a sports fan, I want to see who they – I want the curtain to be revealed. It might be ugly, but a lot of them have great, wonderful stories. That's who I want to say. I want to put them down at – my level, like they're people, like they're genuine people who have feelings. And that's what I think fans want to see. I, I totally agree. I think it's that you want, um, they want to feel like they can relate to them. And that it goes back to Janine, what you were talking about bringing in the moms and, and the dads and the parents. Like, I think that is such a crucial part of telling people's stories because it, it humanizes them. I remember mm-hmm. like being out in New York when Christian McCaffrey was going for the Heisman when he should have won the Heisman and didn't, uh, his mom, Lisa McCaffrey, who's like one of the most amazing women I've ever met, big time soccer star at Stanford, obviously married Ed McCaffrey. She was like giving Christian a hard time about his parking tickets or like standing up straight in this picture. She was just like kind of on his ass. And it made me laugh so hard because I'm like, man, this is Christian as just a human being. And we captured a little bit of that and posted it. And it did. It went so well because it was like, this is Christian McCaffrey, this big mm-hmm. time star that everyone loves who's like this tough guy who's just kind of getting known by his mom right now and it was hilarious so I think being relatable is is one of the biggest things and then I think really we overthink it so much like everyone in the sports industry I'm guilty of this too because you just get like caught up in your swirl of your world but at the end of the day like our job is to bring joy sports bring people joy and they are an escape for so many people and Mm -hmm. it's easy to forget that because when you work in sports it becomes I don't want to say it's ever felt like a full job but there are parts about your job that yeah it starts to feel like a job and you overthink it and at the end of the day like sports bring people together and they bring joy and if you can just keep your eye on that everything else and all the decisions that you make can kind of stem from that and I think we could make it a lot easier equation than we typically make it. 100% 100% agree with you. And real quick, I changed completely after being with Scott, who was a coach, 
and being a mother, like mm-hmm. you realize that these coaches are human. Like I like when I watch a game and I hear yeah. Terrence Yellen, I'm like, wait, what? What? You don't have a, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't understand the hours he puts looking at film and trying to get guys and fixing stuff. Like so, I approach it a little differently when I'm asking a coach a question because like I understand what goes into it. So just they're human. They're people. Mm. And I think that is so critical. There's a hilarious um, video that someone just sent me on Twitter about it was it's an official and he's like in his car talking about how stressful the job is. And at the end, it, like he talks about how all the parents are yelling out like, make a better call, make a better call. And he's like, shut up and make a better kid. That's what I want to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you exactly. is such a big part of it. Like they are human. Yes. They have, these coaches have kids, these student athletes have parents. Like it's, it is a critical piece that we all forget. So yeah, I'm, amen to that, Janae. All right. Yeah. Ladies, thank you so much. Uh, Janae Copley, uh, Sportsnet New York, and uh, Ashley Addison with the Pack Call Network. I mean, great stuff. Uh, great delight to have you with us, and we really do appreciate it. And I think some great points made for people to, uh, to think about regarding sports and the work uh, we do in it. And that is going to conclude another chapter of the Sports Rivals. You can learn more about us and other episodes. We invite you to log on to thesportsrivals.com. You can join the conversation with questions, suggestions for future shows. Also follow us on Instagram at thesportsrivals, Twitter at rivals underscore podcast, and on Facebook by searching for the Sports Rivals Podcast. Our thanks to Janae and to Ashley for being with us today. That's going to do it, and we thank you for listening in. And don't forget, it is the rivalries that make the games.